0: Welcome to Financial Crime Matters with Kieran Beer. I'm Kieran Beer, Chief Analyst and Director of Editorial Content for ACAMS, the world's largest membership organization for AML-CFT professionals. In this episode of Financial Crime Matters, I talk with Mattes Maker, who has been a lawyer with the Estonian Financial Supervisory Authority since 2012 and head of the FSA's AML-CFT department for the past two years. He has been responsible for, among other things, addressing the fallout from some of the scandals involving the laundering of funds out of the Russian Federation through the Baltic region. He is a member of the Money vale Bureau and also an alternate member of the European Banking Authority Anti-Money Laundering Standing Committee. With his colleague, Andre Num, Mattis is the co-author of the recently published AML compliance book, 150 Golden Rules, which is available in a number of places, including Amazon.com. I hope you enjoy the podcast and will subscribe to the series either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Here we go. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG Open makes more possible. Matis, it is a pleasure to be able to speak with you. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Karen. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about some of those things in the book, including talk to me about the kinds of guidance that you give handling supervisor relationships and how that arises out of your experience.
1: What we have seen is that there are a couple of things that supervised entities must always consider when they are communicating with the supervisor. They need to acknowledge that supervisors are always one step ahead. Uh, If uh, supervisors ask uh, them something, they should expect that uh, the supervisor already knows the answer to the question. The second thing is that they should never tell a lie to a supervisor because uh, it will come out sooner or later. Therefore, we are telling in the book that it's a very bad practice to try to outsmart the supervisor or find tactical ways not to answer some of the questions. It's never a good thing to tell to the supervisor that, listen, that you didn't ask the question that you are now asking. The supervisor should always think one step ahead and try to understand where the supervisor is coming with the question. So if there is any doubt whether to answer or whether to report a risk to the supervisor, they should do that because it will, uh, in, the, in the later stages, will, it will come out.
0: The book offers some advice about crisis management for financial institutions and it cites the ABLV case. Talk to me a little bit about that. You go from, let's be open with the supervisory authorities. They're ahead of you. Don't try to second guess them. What about how to be prepared for a crisis and, and when do you know you're in crisis? Maybe ABLV didn't know soon enough that it was in crisis.
1: Perhaps ABLV is not not the best case uh, because uh, there are there are cases where uh, where the the financial institutions themselves are bad actors. I'm, I'm not telling that AB, ABLV is a bad actor, uh, but I'm saying that there is a difference between financial institutions that are uh, together with the criminals uh, or provide a conduit of the proceeds of crime. But then again, there are others that just uh, come to the crisis. Uh, Because of wrong choices that they didn't know that they they were doing at the right time. But nevertheless, 10 years later, all those bad decisions come out. So what we write in the book is that it will happen to you as well. Sooner or later, all financial institutions will be in the midst of a new scheme or a new, new scandal. It's very easy to become nowadays to become uh, an object of the money laundering case of or of a money laundering case today for the media and for the public the concept of money laundering is somewhat broader than it really is so for them it's not a a Legal term, but more when they are talking about money laundering it's more like an unusual transaction, so it might be a second that uh, that you come in the midst of, of a crisis. so what what we see and what we have seen firsthand and, and why we are also writing this in the book is that the perfect position to start thinking about the crisis is before the crisis, not when you are, when a bank or a financial institution is is already in a crisis, so what financial institutions need to do is to begin thinking of the crisis, to summon together the team that should fight against uh, the the crisis or try to escape from the crisis. They need to talk with the the people that they have inside. They need to find the right people for the crisis management team. They need to think beforehand how to message, provide answers to the media, because uh, it's usually usually the case that financial institutions provide wrong statements or provide uh, unbased promises that cannot be fulfilled later. And these wrong answers or someone, uh, even middle ground messages can later hurt financial institutions, its shareholders, but also in in many, many cases, also the jobs of managers themselves. So all this should be thought before. And in the book, we provide the basis of what to be thinking about and how to prepare for the next crisis that will come.
0: You started to talk about the crisis plan and what happens when banks get into trouble, they often pile on consultants. And there's advice in the book, there's a a sort of a critical judgment in the book about sometimes the overuse of consultants and consultants coming in to apply band-aids, but not necessarily setting up a system that ensures compliance going forward and that really fixes some of the problems. Can you talk about that, the proper role of consultants?
1: Usually, supervisors do not criticize out of joy, they do that to really see that the systems uh, become more effective and more efficient in the worst more worst case scenarios consultants uh, are brought in just to defend uh, a financial institution to do whatever it takes to prove that the financial institution and its managers were acting diligently what we criticize in the book is that sometimes there is over reliance on those consultants that come in only to please the supervisor they come in and they pop out Uh, the expertise uh, that is going to be needed in the next crisis and remember it, it will come again this expertise is gone by the time that consultants leave the building so what we tell in the book that if consultants are brought in uh, they should invest more into the employees into the knowledge of the employees that need to stay in the financial institutions also after the consultants leave so it's not only the work that the consultants do but also the education side the financial institutions should invest not into the consultants work but into the present and into the future not to overcome the past
0: The book is also uh, critical, as I read it anyway, of the current SAR-SDR reporting system, that it's just producing too many reports and not actually uncovering criminal activity. Can you talk about this and possible solutions?
1: We are uh, in Estonia, and I guess in other countries as well, we are are seeing millions and millions of SARs being filed. Not millions in Estonia, but uh, globally millions of SARs being filed. And we question in the book whether the increase in the SARS provides more effectiveness to the system or not. We tend to think that will it harm the system because if to compare, for example, with the, with the reporting of murders, if today we would report 100 murders and tomorrow we would report 1 million murders, would it solve more murders because we, we are reporting more? and we think not so the the question for us is in the substance of the reports and what information uh, the financial institutions and also designated non-financial businesses and professions accompany with their report if the financial institution itself is unsure what is the predicate crime what is the actual money laundering case there and they just file the report to the fiu for them to analyze further i think it's a bad concept that we are going into and the rise uh, or raise in the, in, the, in the number of STRs is due to the fear of being sanctioned. And this is a bad fear. What we are telling in the book is that we need to rethink what the SAR is about, what the financial institutions need to be reporting, because the SAR system as it is built today is not working. There are so many SARs and FIUs are incapable uh, of, of analyzing them all. But what we are also saying is that we need to be dealing with the information that is being sent to the FIU. The real critical side here is that there isn't much analysis being done by the financial institutions. And this is because of the historic ongoing monitoring systems or solutions that we are having right now that are rule-based. These systems can be bypassed and and they are not actually built to detect unusual transactions, but to choose transactions uh, that should be looked more into. That's why there is a so high, some say that there is a 90% fault positive rate, that's because of that. So what we need to do is we, that we need to start building smarter, ongoing monitoring solutions that first profile the customer and then look for deviations. We believe that it's less about the knowledge of AML-CFT to build up the system, but more it's, it's more of a mathematical exercise how to really find the deviations from a regular customer.
0: You've brought up technology and the need for technology to need to be smarter in terms of reporting suspicious activity. Anything more that you want to say about that? Estonia has been kind of on the cutting edge, going digital in so many ways. And if you could talk for just a minute about how that applies to the kinds of tools that financial institutions everywhere should be adopting.
1: The real question is about the data that we have here, not in Estonia only, but also in the whole world so we have so much data but we are not using it for our benefit let's take for example risk assessment today globally we are assessing risks on on a country level but it's similar to as if we were modeling tomorrow's weather only based on what happens in a single country what is the temperature and wind speed today what we should do at fsa what we have started doing is how to actually start assessing the risks the new trends because today we are not really in an investigative mode we are reactive let's take for example the fincent files that the us is in the midst of they are reactive of now building new systems but we should be thinking not about the past what happened five or ten years ago but what is happening right now we should put the technology work for us not only for the financial institutions but also for the competent authorities as well for the supervisors for the fius so there is much to make use of technology, but the basis is the data, which we are underusing today. I'm
0: going to ask you more about that as we conclude about data and international cooperation and all of that that's very important. Uh, just a quick question about to give comfort to the audience out there. You've talked a lot about their responsibility to supervisory authorities and how they should manage their supervisory authority relationships. What are the obligations of the
1: supervisors and the state to financial institutions that are regulated? First of all, I think uh, we need to be clear that today banks are criticized and they are rightfully criticized because they haven't been diligent. But what we don't do today that we don't criticize the supervisors, we don't criticize the law enforcement authorities that much. One of the points that we also make in the book is that we just cannot win the fight against uh, the financial crime and and perpetrators only through financial system and, and only through supervisors. We should also be looking uh, at how to criminalize, how to prosecute those that actually launder money, those that actually uh, make those predicate crimes, how to confiscate the money that they have uh, generated from the proceeds uh, or from, from the crimes that they have committed. Because there is no downside for the criminals today. Today, criminals just can find new routes to launder again the money when banks are being closed down or have better systems to mitigate the risk. So first we need to be dealing with the criminals themselves and here the law enforcement authorities need to really do the work as well. But also the banks should ask and make critical questions or put critical questions to supervisors. How they supervise? Uh, It's not only about banks that mediate money, but there are also uh, money services businesses, virtual asset service providers, but also somehow the money is being laundered. We see that there are legal entities being uh, set up So who sets them up, Who supervisors, those uh, service providers that set those uh, legal entities up. So there are so many players in the systems, but right now, I I think that we are only dealing with banks or financial institutions. It's a correct approach, but we should be broadening the people that are responsible and, and also ask some hard questions from others as well.
0: Let's just talk a little bit about how much the new approach to AML for Estonia began in 2014. There is dealing with the funds coming from Russia that are going through a Danska bank branch in Estonia, and I think in, in our conversations before, I think you said that that was a time in which, from then on, Estonia began to move very deliberately, be kind of maybe even a leader against money laundering and financial crime. Put it in a perspective: Where is Estonia? What was what was gained during that time? And How is Estonia different and where are you going in terms of regulation and
1: compliance? So first of all, I think there's a a critical misconception here that in the media, everyone guesses that Estonia has been the first place for the money coming from Russia and and the place to enter the Western world. Uh, But actually, also in the Danske Bank case, it was not because the majority of funds were already in the system. So what we are telling to Estonia, and we don't want to downgrade what has happened. Of course, we are not proud of that, but Estonia is not alone here. And this is the point that we are making, not only as a supervisor, but also in, in our book, that we are here together and we should come out from here together. So in 2014, when we went to Danske Bank and in 2015, we, when we closed down Danske Bank, uh, the, the high-risk business that they were doing, we were alone here. We were the only authority to do that. There were so many options for other authorities for other countries as well to stop this business because, as I again, as I told, Estonia was not the first place of the money. But what we have learned from here is first the tools that we need to have how to analyze the risk. Previously, I was talking about the new solution that we have. Uh, it's the risk dashboard solution as we, as we call it. So on a monthly basis, we analyze the risks. Uh, we see new trends and we react on those new trends. Not only payment flows, but we are also analyzing statistics of, of other service providers as well. So it's a constant analysis of what is going on not working in the past what happened in the past in Danske Bank as I told it it was already closed down five or now it's already 6 years ago but to see what is there right now so I think this is one of the thing that we got out of this and one of the experience that we learned and the other one is that countries are not working in isolation and we need to bring ourselves together as a as a united force against the criminals because if we are only working country by country and working alone we will never win this fight so there needs to be more cooperation, uh, not only uh, on a supervisory level, but more, as I told previously, on, on analyzing the risks, where the actual threats are to build the understanding more on the statistical basis.
0: Well, Natas, I think, um, yeah, it really is a regional and a global problem. And I I actually, in asking the question I did before, um, I think Estonia has actually been a real leader in addressing that problem. And you've been so much a part of that. And I'm I'm glad to have you here today. And I, I just want to kind of conclude, since we've gone from Estonia to region to the globe, I know you're very active. You have a connection to MoneyVal and the European Banking Authority. You know, where is Europe now? Lots of talk about what Europe needs to do to improve information sharing and create consistent regulation. Talk to me a little bit about that, the progress that's been made, what still needs
1: to be done. First of all, I'm I'm active because I do this job because I really want to stop criminals. I try to be everywhere sharing my experience because there is a lot to share. That's why I'm here and, and try to educate others as well, what I have learned, but also learn from others. On the European level, what the European Commission is thinking right now is to have a single supervisory authority. But to me, more importantly, they are thinking how to bring the FIU or the FIUs into the, the larger picture. I truly support this idea because FSAs on their own, they don't have the right tools in their capacity because they don't have the intelligence information that the FIUs have. If to bring this knowledge, uh, expertise together, the knowledge of the FIU and the FSA, and and to have the intelligence and the experience and and ethics to do the inspections in financial institutions together, I think we will have a better solution. Let's see how and where we end up in the European Union, whether there will be a single supervisory authority, whether they will work more closely with FIU, but I think it's a a good uh, place to start. The European Banking Authority is is also settling in. Uh, they have the new mandate. Uh, so I'm also positive here uh, with respect to the European Banking Authority. So let's, let's see where we end up. But I think that on the European level, as I told so many times before, we need to be looking at the bigger picture, not to react on, on single cases, but to see the future as well. Where are the risks? Where we need to be heading tomorrow? Where is actually our vulnerability? I think this is a critical issue as well not to only look at the threat side, but also looking at the vulnerability. So why are we still trailing the criminals? Is it because of the lack in financial institutions, in, in supervised entities, in law enforcement authorities, and FIUs? So where is this, this system failing? And to enforce this part of the system. I'm optimistic. Otherwise, I wouldn't be working here at the FSA doing this. Well,
0: Matas, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And I'm going to glom on to and take uh, hope from the optimistic note we've ended on. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Mattis Maker, the head of the Estonian FSA's AML and CFT department. I hope you liked what you heard and will subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud so that you'll get an alert for each new podcast that we do. Because financial crime matters to me and to you. See you next time.